0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. How are we doing? Yeah. Good stuff. Is, is this on or have I put the switch the wrong way? Fantastic. Wow. Has it been a year? Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Who was here last year for First Fruits? Yeah, a whole load of you. Some of you weren't. So today, perhaps, is going to be your first experience of a first fruits offering. Uh, and I love first fruits. It's just something, it's a highlight of our year down in Citygate. For us, it's next week. So this is a trial run for me. And, uh, you know, see how it goes, see how the message works. And if it's okay, I'll use it. If not, I'll scrap it and do another one. Um, no, not at all. Um, actually, I've really got a word on my heart for you today. Um, and uh, tonight, I'm really excited to be back tonight. Neil didn't. Want me this year? Oh, yeah. He didn't want me. I said, Do "You want me?" He said, "No." So I thought, like, "Oh well, all right. I'll stay in Aberdeen then." So, um, so I'm here. And uh, actually, I'm thrilled to be here tonight. As Pastor Kevin said, you, you know, it's great to be able to just come and, and to just speak out of my heart, really, into the church. So I'm excited about that. Can I, first of all, just say what outstanding pastors you have here in Kevin and Cheryl? I know he said, I've known him and he's known me for 20 years. We've, we've hung out together. We've, we've have we been aboard together. We haven't. we different places, Ukraine and various other places. And, you know, there's something about a, a, a family that is in it for the long haul. And they just keep building, 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 just keep going, 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 which I think deserves actually double honor in the church. Not just a quick, oh yeah, you're great. But something that says, you know what, you put your lives into the kingdom of God. You put your kids into the kingdom of God. You put your finances into the kingdom of God. You put your emotional energy into the kingdom of God. You put every ounce of faith you've got into the kingdom. You put your compassion in, your joy, your love. There isn't anything for Kevin and Sheville out outside, shovel, Cheryl, outside, Kevin and Shovel there, outside, outside of the church. So I want you to stand to your feet now. Seriously, I want you to give honour to your pastors. Come on, let's give them a huge, God bless you. Outstanding. Come on. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. (coughs) That's so That's your loving. You see. Right. You may take your seats. Can I always also say, always remember to, you know, to just appreciate their kids as well. Um, it's it's a whole it's a whole whole other experience to be a pastor's kid. It really is, and you know if that hasn't ever been your experience or your world, you you really have no concept of what it is to be in the family of of the the, uh, senior pastors. So I want you to really encourage and appreciate and just do everything you can for this family because I believe they deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Today's First Fruits, so we're going to have a great time today and First Fruits is a day of faith. Okay, First Fruits is a day of honour. First Fruits is a day of incredible vision and huge passion and an energy first fruits is not a casual day at all first fruits is something that you think about for weeks and months beforehand first fruits is something where you set your affection on things above and not on things down here first fruits is a time to say it's not about me it's about God and God's kingdom first fruits is a time if you think of Cain and Abel you know there was Abel who gave of the first of his flock and there was Cain who gave us an afterthought at the end of everything when he'd prioritized himself his life his his own emotions, his own feel-good, his own whatever. At the end of the harvest, came for. I wonder what I've got left for God. And uh, that's such a sad way to live. You know, to live putting God last is a really sad place to live, but also actually to live putting God second is a sad place to live as well. The only place where God deserves to be is first place. God is absolutely hung up on this word called first. And I'm not going to actually speak today all about First Fruits. And I know I've done that for, for, I don't know, five years, six years. And and obviously there are people here and you haven't been here for First Fruits before. But just in a very, you know, quick... um explanation um, you know God is really hung up on this word first he talks a lot about first in the Bible it says we're to put God first but it says we're to seek first his kingdom we're to love God first we're going to do our first you know things that we did when we first got saved often God says go back and do the first things you did again because they were out of your heart out of a passion for God's kingdom before you calm down a little bit and I know I'm not speaking to a calm church here today but but you know so often people get saved and they give their heart to God and it's all exciting. And then after a couple of months or six months or a year or two years, life becomes normal again. God never intended or created you to be average or normal or just mediocre. God has created you to be outstanding. He's created you to be excellent. He's created you to be above and not beneath the head and not the tail. Everything you put in your hand to prospering. That's where God has created you to be. But you experience that as you put God's kingdom first. You don't experience that if you put Him second or third or last. You experience the greatness of God and the outstanding things of God when you put God first and you seek God first. The Bible says the people that know their God shall be strong and do incredible exploits. Why? Because we're putting God first. And so God's hung up on this word first. And in the Bible, there's this offering in the Old Testament called a first fruit offering. And the first fruit offering wasn't anything to do with the tithe. Often people say, you know, um, on a Sunday if they receive the offering, you know, today um, it's good to give offerings and your tithes and your first fruits. Well, your first fruit is really something that is completely separate to your tithe. Your tithe is your he 's your um, you know if you get a salary every month, it is the ten percent that really you return to God first. It is the first thing you do. It should be the first thing out your bank account you know it wouldn 't it be great if the whole church was doing offerings and stuff just like we do everything else in the world by standing orders and direct debits that 's just the best way to do it we 've been really trying in our church to get that up, and in the last year we 've gone from about eight or ten percent of people doing it online to over seventy percent of people People doing their tithe, their tithes you know the offering their their salary comes in the tithes the first thing that goes out of their account now it's just so great to see uh, you know just an increase of understanding of saying i'm really going to put God first in my life you know in my thoughts in my actions in my finances so so that's been really great to see but the first fruit offering is saying at the start of the year because we don't you know farm and do harvests and all the rest of it but at the very start of the year, you know, isn't it great to say, come on, let's enter this year, let's have some some real expectation for 2016, that this is going to be the greatest year yet. And it doesn't happen by itself, it happens on purpose. It happens because we have great vision, we have great faith, we have a great God, and we honour Him the way He should be honoured. The Bible says, if you honour God, God will honour you. And I'm believing God for just Junction Church this year, that you have a year of God honouring this place, God highlighting this place in a great way. So I'm really stirred about today, perhaps I've gone a bit intense right at the start, I don't know, but, but I'm so excited about, you know, today as we, at the end of this service, as we all come down, we'll be laying hands on everybody, we'll be receiving an offering from you, um, and it is for God. It isn't for a building offering, it's not for a vision, it's not for anything else than for God. It's to say, God, we want to thank you for last year. We want to thank you how good, bad or ugly it was. God, the word, of you know, God says this, it says in all things give thanks. And the first thing that we need to be doing at the start of this year, and I know we're already, you know, a couple of Sundays in, four Sundays in, but at the start of the year, come on, let's be thankful. Let's put away all of the attitudes and the and all that stinking thinking, you know, that it was done to me and look what they said and look what they did or look that, that should never have happened and why this and why that. Just shake it all off at the start of the year and say, God, whatever it is, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I have a relationship with you. I'm thankful for this great salvation that you put on the inside of me. I'm thankful that I am the head and not the tail. I'm thankful that I'm the healed. I'm thankful that I've got the peace of God which passes all understanding guarding my heart and my mind. Thank you for the armour of God upon my life. Thank you for robes of righteousness and for garments of praise. Thank you I can move any mountain that I face. Thank you Lord God that you've forgiven me and cleansed me from every sin and stain that was anywhere. Near my life. Thank you, Lord, that you are great and greatly to be praised. All the other gods are idols, but you sit enthroned over the floods. You sit enthroned. Heavens is your throne room, the earth is your footstool. God, you are awesome. And just let the thankfulness of God start to stir up on the inside. So the first thing we do is we thank God, but then also we want to say, God, you know what? The Bible says those who honor you with their first fruits, their barns are going to be filled. And their vats are going to overflow. Now that can mean so many things for the, um, obviously the uh, church here, but also for the individual family or believer. For your barn to be filled as a church, that means more and more people coming to Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Actually, that's the only reason why we're still here. God doesn't need our praise. God doesn't need us really here. But what he does need us for is to see other people introduced to the love and the saving power of Jesus Christ. Let this barn of Junction Church in Venice be filled to overflowing in Jesus' name. And also it says your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. Well that can mean for the church here obviously the power of God. And the presence of God. We had somebody's mum in the church this week try to commit suicide. And you think, dear God, let the power of God come into that secure unit right now and touch her life and set her free from all the pain and the torment that's going on in her life. Only the power of God can set people free, I believe, in our generation. We can't help people out of stuff. We need to power people out of stuff. We need the power of God overflowing out of our hearts the rivers of life that can flow out of the heart of the believer is absolutely phenomenal to have God's Word in our heart and in our mouth, to have all of the power of God, the the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit dwelling in a bodily form, just like He dwelled in Jesus Christ, so He dwells in you and I, us corporately and individually. We are a powerhouse going somewhere to happen. Let it be an overflow this year out of Junction Church. Let the glory of God, the love of God, the presence of God, the joy of God overflow in and through and out from from this church this year in Jesus' name. So these things are powerful. First fruit offerings. There are so many examples in the Bible, <coughs> excuse me, where there's examples of first, there's the time when Elijah, um, he was on that incredible transition going from, from or, or towards Zarephath. And, you know, first of all, he went to, you know, to the first place and the ravens fed him and he drank from the brook. This was in famine, but after a while it all went wrong and it all dried up. And it's so easy to look back and say, what went wrong? Why did that source of supply dry up? Why did that that thing go sour? But if we always think about the wise... Of the past, we never go on to the promises of the future. And and he could have sat there and said, but God, you said you were going to feed me and the ravens haven't come today. Where are the ravens? What have I done wrong? What's what's happening here? And the brook, you said you were going to, you know, I was going to... Have, have sustenance from this but but it's all dried up it's all gone wrong and so many Christians don't move on from the last place of, of, of victory when that starts to wane away but God says come on it's because I've got greater things you're on a journey I've got greater things don't sit with the ravens and the brook you're just about to to get hold of a rich widow she didn't look rich <laughs> she had a couple of sticks and was about to die but But God had commanded her. Had commanded her. For His grace and for His word to so impact her position. When she was about to die, have a couple of sticks, make a cake or two, eat and die. And God had commanded, you are going to supply for the kingdom of God for three years. And it was through offering a first fruit offering. Incredible. She could have, you know, said, well, I believe it when I see it. Believe it when I see it. Everyone else is starving. Why am I going to be any different? It's got nothing to do with anybody else. It's got to do with the word of God into your heart and into your life and into your church. And up comes the prophet and he says, well, that's great. You can, you know, eat your cakes or whatever and make them and die. But first, first give something to me. And it's as if God is saying to us today, come on in the midst of turmoil in the world. What a year we've had. Just think about the international crisis that there is going on around the world. It's serious, guys. This world is in an absolute mess. But you know what? The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It's not going backwards, it's going forwards. Churches are getting bigger, churches are getting stronger. There are more people getting saved today than ever in the history of the world before. There was a report just the other day that within 15 years, China is going to be the most Christian country on the nation of the earth. Uh, 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 On the nation of the world. In the nations of the world. And yet I can think back 30, 40 years when it was real struggle. Look what God is doing. Absolutely incredible. He said, first give some to me. First give some to me. And she honoured God first. As she put him first in her life. Look what God did. He caused the most incredible breakthrough to take place. I want to talk just a little bit today. I know I've nearly taken up all of my time. But this is what I want to turn to today. First Samuel chapter 30. <coughs> and from verse one, it's something that's on my heart at the moment. I've been speaking from this passage down in Citygate, but I just could not come here today and not turn to this uh, for this church as well. I really believe this is a word for uh, for Aberdeen here today. And of course, I'm not going to spend a long time here because I could, I could speak for weeks on this passage. Um, but I just want to stir some things in our hearts. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 8, it says, Now it happened after David and his men came to Ziklag. Now David, um, I know I've cut in there, I said I'll read from 1 to 8, and I'm on my first line here and I'm stuck. <laughs> but, um, this is David, okay? I've got some favourites in the Bible, I'm sure you have too. And for years and years and years, I've been pastoring this year for 26 years. I'm, I've just turned 50. Now, this is great. You want to hear some good news? This is great news. I've started going to the gym. Come on, this is amazing. Never been to the gym before. No, I have been to the gym before once. In my 20s, I said, right, I signed up. I got my little pass. I went once. I did the induction half an hour and I never went back. That's absolutely the truth. Anyway, I hit 50. I thought time to go to the gym. So, you know, I go to the gym, find a nice one with a spa and steam rooms and saunas. I I don't just want to work out. I want to go and chill. But anyway, (coughs) excuse me. So anyway, I go. And on the first day, you do this whole sort of computer test. You stand there on this thing and it tells you all these numbers about your BMI and I don't know what it tells me it's about 15 things that it tells you for each part of your body it's an incredible thing I felt like I was bionic standing there as my leg was was sort of red and this one was a little bit less no this one was this one was green This one was just a little bit less than green because this one's stronger than that one. And then this one, this arm was really bright blue because it's really, really, really buff. Is that the word? Really, really fit. And this one wasn't quite as good as that one. But anyway, it went through all these numbers and then it said, do you want to know how old you are? And I thought, come on. I don't know if I want you to tell me how old I am or not. And it told me I was 35 years old. Come on. Yes, catching. Seriously, that is absolutely the truth. And um, I was being, you know, done by this, this young uh, 22-year-old girl who was like an athlete and just a whole bit. And all the way through, we'd been having a laugh. I said, it's going to tell me I'm 25, you know. And we, we were just going on like this. And it told me I was 35. She thought there was a problem with the computer. And she started to do all her stuff with it. And I said, I told you. I told you, 35. I've just done it again, and I'm still 35. Even though it's six months later. So there we go. I'm getting younger. (laughs) Fantastic. But I don't know how I got into the gym. What was I talking about? I can't remember now. David. Yeah, I don't know why. I have no idea. I can't remember. Anyway, David. So um, I've completely lost my train. I just got so excited that I'm 35 years old. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big year. Been pastoring for 26 years, 50 years this year. The church, our church is 19 years old this year. So loads of things happening this year. But I absolutely believe that even though all this stuff is going on around the world, there's, there's, there's crazy things happening. But for the kingdom of God, things are getting better. Things are getting stronger and greater. And I'm believing God that this year is going to be one of the most outstanding years we have ever, ever had now King David here I've had favorites in the Bible for a long time I'm sure you have too you know perhaps Abraham has been a favorite obviously the Lord Jesus or the Apostle Paul or somebody else but there's something about King David I've been going through his life there's something about him which is just so down to earth he was just a normal little 14 year old kid when you know God hand you know got hold of this guy and said you're going to be king and even at that age 14 15 years old You know, he was out there killing lions and bears. And then he goes out and he kills Goliath. Why? Because he's got a cause on the inside of him. He's got a passion. He's got something so stirred on the inside of him. And so at this point in his life, he's about 30 years old. And he's been on the run now for about 15 years. Crazy. He gets this word from God, you're going to be incredible... And all of a sudden, he thinks, wow, it's going to happen in six months. Isn't that what we all think? It's going to happen in six months, a couple of months, three months, six months, a year, two years... And 15 years later, it still hasn't happened. 15 years later, he's still an outcast from Saul. 15 years later, there's still an army chasing him. 15 years later, um, he's, he's had so much... Yes, there's been the faithfulness of God, but it's as if nothing that God had said was ever going to come to pass. So what David had done at this point, he'd spent 16 months, 18 months with the Philistines, with his arch enemies... He got to the place, in fact, if you go back a couple of chapters, he says, you know what, I'm just going to hide. I've just had enough. I'm just going to, you know, that's it. You know, forget the vision, forget all this stuff. I'm just going to survive from now on. I've had enough, I've had the promise, I've had the I've had the oil poured on my head, I've had so much people, you know, so many people go, you're awesome David and, uh, and it's going to be great David and yet 15 years later, here I am still on the run, I'm just going to go and hide with the enemy and he got into this place that you never dreamed that David would ever get into which was not really a place of huge compromise, he wasn't in sin but he certainly wasn't out there taking ground anymore. In fact, he'd go out and he'd raid and he'd live hand, to mouth there with just, you know, some of his army, and, you know, he had, he had um, you know, come to this, this um, situation here where <coughs> all of the, the Philistines were going to go and fight with Israel, who were his family, and so he sort of said, I'll go with you, but he didn't want to go because he didn't want to fight his own armies, <laughs> he didn't want to fight it, all his own tribesmen. And so he went out thinking, Dear God, what are you going to do to get me out of this one? And the other Philistine captain said, Actually, we don't want you with us because you might, you know, perhaps turn and start to fight against us. And he must have thought, thank goodness for that. So he comes back from this this really strange situation he'd been in to find what we're just about to read. (coughs) It says, so they come back to Ziklag on the third day And the enemy had come down to Ziklag, they'd attacked Ziklag and they had destroyed it. They would taken captive all their families, the men and the women, the children. Sorry, not the men, the men were with him, but all the women and the children from the small to great. They didn't kill anybody, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men um, all came to Ziklag. This was their city, and there it was destroyed, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. And so David and the people that were there, they all began to cry and wail till they had no more strength to weep. And the two wives are gone. And it says in verse 6 that so David was greatly distressed. Uh, I can't think of if I've ever really been in this position. I certainly haven't had my family taken away or anything like that. But there are times in your life you go through stuff and you just think, I just don't know if I can take this anymore. You know what? It's at times like this that God can absolutely come through like a flood and turn things around. And here he is, he said, I don't know if I can take this anymore, and there was great distress. All of his team spoke of stoning him, 600 guys who had come to him in order to, you know, to take ground and to, you know, to pronounce him as king, proclaim him as king. All of them turned on him and said they were going to stone him. Why? Because they were just so distraught. But listen to this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, he said, bring the ephod here to me. So Abiathar brings the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord and said, shall I pursue? this troop? Shall I pursue this enemy? Shall I go after them? Or shall I just sit here and cry myself to death? Do you want me, God, to go after and to pursue? And God says this, he said, pursue them, you will certainly overtake them, and you will without fail recover all. Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible. Just turn to someone and say, pursue, overtake, and recover all. Now, I didn't hear anybody say it as though they believed it here today, this morning. <laughs> Pursue, overtake. Come on, look at someone say, Pursue, Pursue, overtake, overtake, recover all. Look at at least three people. Say, Pursue, pursue, overtake, overtake, and recover all. Come on, look at someone else. Say, Pursue, pursue, overtake, overtake, and recover all. I believe, as I've come here... Uh, today, and yes, it's a first roots, but I want to instill a spirit of faith in this place to pursue, to overtake, and to recover everything that has been stolen from your life. I don't know if that's relationships, I don't know if that's physical health, I don't know if that's financial, I don't know if that's for the church or for individuals here, but whoever it is, pursue, overtake, and get back Everything that has been stolen from you. It goes down in verse 16, and after they'd, you know, and the whole thing had happened, God had, had um, you know, got them to the right place at the right time, incredible things had happened. And it says, They come down, and here's the enemy spread out all over the land, eating and drinking, dancing because of all the stuff they'd stolen. <coughs> and it says, So David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day, not a man escaped except 400 who got away on camels and fled. So David recovered all. He got everything back, guys. There wasn't anything lacking, neither small nor great, sons or daughters' spoils, or anything which had been taken from them. So David recovered all, the flocks, the herds, everything. He got everything back, and people said, this is David's spoil. I believe at the end of this year, you need to be able to look back and say, that's my spoil from this year. That could be houses, that could be lands, that could be finances, that could be health that you've got back. Could be anything. What is it that you're going to lay your hands on this year? This year has got to be a year of vision. It's got to be a year of laying hold of that which is before you. It's got to be a year of saying, I refuse to stay where I am. I'm going to press on in and I'm going to lay hold of the vision and the hope and the dream that God has for my life. What is it that you believe God for? And perhaps it's been 15 years and you say, I still don't see any trace of it in my life. And God is saying, come on, this is a moment of break uh, of, of, of a break lag, breakthrough from Ziklag. This is a time of turnaround. You see, David had no clue that within a couple of days he would become king. He had no idea. He was at the point of suicide. He was at the point of, I've I've just had enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm hiding with the enemy. And here we are. Everything's gone now. I'm just going to stop right here. And yet something stirred up on the inside of him. There are two things that I want, I want to highlight here today. The first thing is this. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, to strengthen yourself in God, in the Old Testament it says, they, you know, often it would be the Holy Spirit or a prophet who would stir up the people, but in the New Testament, that completely turns around, and the Bible says, You stir yourself up, you encourage yourself, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know what? There is so much on the inside of you as a believer here today. If you said yes to Jesus Christ, you are indestructible, you are, un- you are undefeatable, you are unconquerable. The Bible says we are not of those who draw back. We are those who go forwards to the saving of our soul. We have incredible promises from God. But God says, come on, pursue, overtake and recover all. But sometimes when you say that to somebody, they're not in the place to hear it. Why? Because on the inside, they aren't in a place of advance. You see, for David to even ask that question, do I get up and run again? then the run had already started on the inside. You don't ask that question if you don't want to hear the answer. And I believe with all of my heart here today, God wants to say into the hearts of so many people, run run and pursue, go after it, go after your dream. Before this, this service today, somebody came up and said at the start of the year um, of 2015, they had a desire, they had a dream to go for something. And we prayed for them here last, last uh, first fruits and everything that they believed for those specific two things have come to pass. But you know what? It's because there was something on the inside that said, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm not going to sit back and wait for God. Why? Because God's the God of the breakthrough. This is the same David that God said to him, as you stretch out your hand, God's going to break through like the breaking forth of incredible floodwaters as you stretch out your hand. Look at someone say pursue. Overtake and recover all. Come on, there's got to be some pursue on the inside. When God stirs up some pursue, no devil in hell, no mountain, no enemy, no circumstance can stand against you as your enemy. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. We can go for stuff and we can blast through every enemy as though it melts like wax before the presence of God. But the pursue's got to start on the inside. It's got to start on the inside. I've said to so many people in the last few months, you can do whatever it is you set your heart to do. You can achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. Why? Because when God is for you, no one can stand against you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You have got the armor of God upon your life, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. You are a mighty man of valor going somewhere to see a victory. See, David said this, I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear at 14 years old. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. Are there any Goliath slayers in the house here today? God has said, come on, greater is he that's in you than anything in this world. There was a guy called Elisha who had a servant called uh, Gehazi and there was this time when all of the Assyrian army was surrounding Elisha and Gehazi and it seemed as if there was no way out and there was no chance of a victory here. They were about to be completely destroyed but Elisha was really cool about it and Gehazi was really stressed about it. And he got up in the morning and there was all the army surrounding and he said oh what are we going to do what are we going to do and you know what Elisha said God just open his eyes let him see this in reality not in just like everybody let him see what you see God let him see that in just a couple of days there's going to be an incredible victory let him see it the way you see it God let's not look with these eyes but let's look with the eye and the heart of faith that says God is for me come on who can be against me and he opened his eyes and he saw chariots of fire all around the enemy. Just incredible what God can do the first thing is that we need to strengthen ourselves. We need to rise up on the inside. Therefore, we will rise up on the outside. We need to determine in our heart and in our mind, I refuse to go backwards or stay where I am. I'm going to press on in 2016 as we honor God. Today, with our first fruits barns will be filled because we're going to get out there and get some harvest yeah. in in every area of our lives. The vats are going to overflow. Why? Because I'm going to stir up the rivers of life on the inside of me and speak out words of life and faith which will move every mountain that I encounter this year. I'm going to run with the vision again. It's the first thing that obviously there happened with David. But the second thing (coughs) is what I absolutely believe is just about to happen in this place. And that's this. It was the greatest thing that ever happened. I believe throughout his life he ever declared. He declared this. He said, bring me the ephod. You may go, wow, that's deep. Bring me the ephod. What's that all about? Well, you've got to understand, he was in no place at this time. He'd been 16 months with the enemy, 18 months with the enemy. He certainly wasn't in a great place with God or anything like that. But something changed in David that day. Everything changed when he uttered these four words. It was these four words that swung the balance of power in his direction. It was these four words I absolutely believe that caused him within two days to be crowned king. It was these four words that inspired hope and faith in the hearts of his army. It was these four words I believe that would have caused heaven to be still that day. Words that moved the hand of God and words that caused the great I am to show himself strong there and then on David's behalf. It was at a time everyone wanted to stone him, destroy him, point the finger at him, say, it's your fault, David. We shouldn't even be here with the Philistines. Shouldn't even done this. But he said, bring me the ephod. The ephod was the way they talked to God. It's the way they put God first place. For the ephod was something that was worn by the high priest, And it had all sorts of stones on it. And it had these special, the urim and the thummim. I won't get into those. But in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And so they couldn't hear the voice of God. They sometimes had a a, a prophet. But what happens if you didn't have a prophet? You still needed to hear God. So you got out these two uh, stones and you'd say, God, um, do I do this? And you'd hold the stones up and either this one or that one will glow. Something would happen to them and it was very obvious this would be the answer from God. Sounds a bit spooky. Thank God we don't have stones today. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit on the inside. (coughs) But this expression, bring me the ephod, was really this. I'm putting God first place in my life again today. That's what he was saying. I'm putting God first place. I'm going to inquire of God. I'm going to put the order right. I'm going to get the high priest back. I'm going to get the ephod out. Perhaps it had been away for a couple of years and no one had even thought about it. But it was time to bring it back out and say, I'm putting God first place in my life again. Can I just say a couple of things? Whatever you worship, you gain access to. Whatever you honour, you gain access to. And, and here, as he said, bring me the ephod. Come on, we're going to inquire of God. We're going to get hold of God again today. And I don't want in any way to insinuate that, you know, the Junction Church here needs to get hold of God again. That's not what I'm saying. But at the very start of this year, we're saying, come on, let's put God first place in our lives. Let's have a 2016 like we've never had a year like this before. A, a year when God breaks through a year when enemies are destroyed a year when god makes the the, the all the crooked places straight A year when God raises every valley and brings low every mountain. A year where enemies fall at my right hand, at my left hand, and one, put a thousand to flight, and two, put ten thousand to flight. A year of incredible supernatural breakthrough. A year of incredible abundance financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. A year of great influence as a church. A year of great victory. A year when we trample on every serpent and scorpion that ever comes comes near us. Come on, let's bring the ephod out this morning. The other thing I want to say is that which you wear determines where you can go. What do I mean by that? Have you ever been to somewhere that says you need to dress a certain way in order to get in? Suit and tie or, you know, there's a, a dress code or something. Or something, you know what? Even though we don't have a dress code really in church, you want some decency, but but it's not suit and tie and all the rest of it. That's great if you want to wear that, but whatever. But you know what? There is a dress code in the spirit. The dress code is this: get washed, get washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Wear garments of praise. At the end of today, we're gonna to really celebrate in just a few minutes as we start to pray. We're going to really celebrate as we pray for people, as we receive our first fruits. And I want to encourage us here today, just because you've been prayed for, don't go home. Come on, stay and celebrate with the rest of us and pray and agree with the other people that are being prayed for. Put on your garment of praise. Make sure you've got your robe of righteousness in place. Why? Because what you put on gives you access. Put on the garments of praise. You know what? You're going to have the oil of joy like you've never experienced before. Put on the armour of God. You're going to have incredible victory, uh, you know, through this year. Put it on by faith on a daily basis. We need to put on our relationship with God. The Bible says put on Christ. Put on Christ. Put on His character. Put on His way of thinking. Put on His way of doing life. And seek God's perfect will for your life. Did you get anything out of that this morning? Thanks for listening.